This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Raffin. I'm back after two weeks. This is episode 377. We are live on Twitch. I am so pumped to be here. I'm joined by two spider people anomalies in your friendly neighborhood spider comic book creator, Danny. Hello. And Kara. You made a reference. You referenced the thing that I saw today. I'm so excited. (laughs) And the voice of the face that you cannot see right now, the one and only comic book creator, friend of the show, Kevo. Hello. I'm here. We're so happy to have you back on the show. I'm super excited to talk about comic books with all of you. I've been restrained in another universe for two years, and Paul had to step in for me. I'm finally back, and boy, I'm about to explode. I have a quick announcement or a series of announcements to go through before we actually start to talk about comic books. So, July is coming. We're taking a month off, as we usually do every single year. We've got some killer minisodes planned. We've got a book versus book that Kara and Kate just recorded, an Ice Cream Man Volume 8 that Nick and I recorded earlier today, an interview with the comic guest, and I'm not going to tell you who, but it's really cool. Uh, and we have a planned release of Patreon content, because I was as I came back from my multiversal travels, I was looking at the Patreon, and I said, there's too much. There's so many episodes of stuff on our Patreon. I have to do uh, you know, a planned release of pressure. Uh, so we're dropping the IRCB Movie Club number two into the public feed at the end of July. It's where Paul, Brian, and I talked about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, it's one of my favorite movies, uh, comic book movies at least. Um, and I'm super excited for you all to hear it. So I'm going to be you know, I'm, we're going to be taking the summer off. We're going to do a hangout in the middle of January, in January of July. Uh, I'm calling it beach style. This is where I'm going to wear sunscreen. I'm going to sit indoors at my chair on my computer, pretend that I'm on the beach and just have like rolling waves in the background, very much like the fan that I left on when we started recording. Um, you're going to hear that in the background as well. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Um, make sure to stay subscribed. If you're if you're unsubscribed, don't unsubscribe. Uh, but anyways, let's get into things. I have two legally mandated questions that I have to ask, and I'm going crazy over here. It's how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Danny. Mike, uh, I've been very well. I'll talk about all that stuff in just a second. I did want to address something. Uh, unfortunately, uh, John Romita Sr. passed away. He's a legendary comic creator. If you read a Spider-Man comic, you've probably seen some of his work, like a lot, you know, some of the older ones. Uh, and just over the past week, seeing not only creators, but fans talk about him. Uh, I watched a few interviews that he did a few years ago and listening to him talk about taking over Steve Ditko and what a monumental test that was for him and how he was really in competition against himself, really, to make sure that he held up the quality of Spider-Man. Uh, it's really, it was really, really cool. So a very mm-hmm. sad passing mm-hmm. to a great creator, but I did want to talk about it because unfortunately he passed, I think last week on Tuesday, maybe. Uh, so we had already recorded our show by then. So I wanted to talk about that. So yeah, go read a, go read an old Spider-Man book because they're really, really good. <laughs> they're, they're wild. They're bonkers, but they're really good. Yeah. Uh, as far as myself, so Mike, I also feel like I haven't been around forever, which is weird, but it's, I think it's because, uh, a couple of weeks ago I was at a DreamHack uh, convention, which is like a gaming convention here in Dallas. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And then last week I was off at Fan Expo Dallas. That's our biggest convention we have. Uh, and I feel like it just kind of recharged my comic book batteries going to a big show like that like talking to creators, meeting other fans, seeing like friends that I don't, I, you know, convention friends, people that you only see around the conventions, uh-huh. uh, like all that stuff kind of just 
recharge my batteries and i'm so excited about i think i need to do this at least once a year to like get super pumped up about comics again wait go to a big convention or go to a video game convention that's not about comic books (laughs) you know (laughs) maybe maybe both yeah maybe both okay it it was a lot of walking so that was also really good health wise uh but but yeah no yeah i think going to a big convention like i i missed it so much i mean i don't get to go to a a lot out of state, but we do have a few cool shows here locally. Uh, so that was really nice. Make creators from all over the world. Nice. So that was very cool. And now I'm really pumped to talk about comic books. And for some reason this week, I really leaned into my Captain America. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why. We're in the show. I am. Super patriot. <laughs> yeah. Like. This was not planned. I just I figured I was like, I'm going to keep the shirt on now that I realized it. Uh, the first book I'm going to talk about is Captain America Cold War. This is a crossover between the Captain America Symbol of Truth and Sentinel on Liberty books. So both Captain Americas are coming together uh, because the crossover finally finished. I, I I was waiting for that to happen so I could get caught up. Uh, mm-hmm. This one's written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly and uh, Tochi Onibuchi uh, with art by Carlo Magno, R.B. Silva, and Alina Erofiba with letters by Joe Carmagna. So in, in what I love about this book is the nonsense premise of it. Uh, in this one, Bucky Barnes makes his deadliest move yet. The newest player in the nefarious game spanning all of civilization has teamed up with Sam Wilson's nemesis, the White Wolf. None of that makes sense to what anyone that? okay. that's not reading these books. Sure. Uh, isn't so, the White Wolf Bucky? I'm, isn't the, Bucky the, the, the White Wolf? The movies Just, would have me believe so, but it is in the, the comics. The movies would have a, me believe so. <laughs> in, in the comics, it's a whole different character that's like a, an adopted brother to T'Challa, uh, he, who literally turns into a white wolf. This was a really cool reveal. Sorry if I spoil okay. that for anyone. Uh, no, I'm, but, I'm just, I want to make clear for those of you just enjoying the audio experience here that when Danny started explaining the White Wolf, Mike literally started pulling his hair out. So, uh, yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> comics, everyone. This is what you get to coming to the live show, okay? <laughs> the the other incredible part of this is that also Steve's adopted son, his son is in this book. I didn't Ooh. even know Captain America had a kid. What? <laughs> Danny. What? Exactly. Why are comics? <laughs> Ian, yeah. Ian Rogers, a.k.a. the Nomad. Um, Ian Rogers? Yeah, yeah, Ian. Steve, na- Steve named him after his grandfather. Okay. Um, All right. Fine. Okay. Sure. So this book is a whole lot of nonsense. Dimension Z is like this other dimension that uh, Zola invented. It's very weird stuff. None of that matters. <laughs> what I really enjoyed about this book is just how they can... So you have two different groups of creators that are coming together. Normally these crossovers are, they'll feel very clunky because you're actually just taking like two different kind of scripts and, and wherever the ideas were going and trying to smash them together, hopefully they fit. But I think the Captain America office at Marvel, like the whole, the whole team, I think they're working very well together. They really have both Steve and Sam running on like very nice uh, parallel tracks that the stories very easily cross over. Uh, also, the art is amazing for most of the issues. There was one issue that I was not like the Alpha and Omega issues are done by a different artist. That's not the usual artist from the books. Um, it didn't click with me as much. I think a lot of the character designs are very different, too. Um, 
But other than that, this book was a lot of fun. And it's it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. Uh, Crossovers all, usually are just buy I mean, yeah. books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> plot, exactly. Plot. Yeah. So this is this is nothing of like there's no Hydra in this. There's like none of the usual Captain America stuff, which was what I found really intriguing. And which is what kind of what led me to talk uh, to read the next thing I read, uh, which is Captain America Volume 1 and 2, Castaway and Dimension Z. This is from the Rick Remender run from 2012. This is the part mm. that explains how Steve got a kid, what Dimension Z is. So my buddy Jeff told me, you want to go read that if you just read this, because otherwise nothing makes sense. Now, I guess I read them in the wrong order, but... I was going to say, okay. aren't you supposed to read the backstory before the story? No. Shouldn't you have read all of Captain America leading up to this in order to understand what happens in the latest volume, Danny? Come you on. Know, I will say I was pretty surprised I didn't read this uh, when it came out, because that's the era when I started reading comics. Okay. Uh, and then Remender was like my jam, too, like... His right. stuff was either really violent or really edgy. And that was all me, like, you know, fresh out of college, like, let's fuck up the world. So that, that really should have vibed with me. And I just kind of. Comics are this. for adults now. I so everyone can die. I just realized I've never read a Captain America comic. I am oh, pretty right. sure on, I have on. never read a Captain America comic. Just thinking about that, I was like, no, it's it's um the guy from the movie. It's Chris Evans. That's fine. Oh, no. I don't need anything additional. But like, okay, so maybe this is what tell me tell me a Captain America book to read because I am pretty sure the only time I've seen Captain America mm-hmm. in a comic book is that one panel from Civil War where his pecs are like enormous and like rolling out uh, from his oh, yeah. chest like a yeah. bag of potatoes or something. And it's just that's what people well, make fun of when they make fun of male physique in comic books. Like it's just that one panel where he's just like yeah well we've got six folks watching live on twitch so i'm wondering if you're all comic book fans give us some recommendations for kara that i'll pass that along yeah give us a captain america book that kara Kara should definitely read preferably one with lots of like tension with him and bucky yes are there those or do i have to read fan fiction for that i I will say don't start here this is a bad starting point (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to start with getting mad about the White Wolf. So just real quick to touch on the some of the creative team, because it wasn't just Rick Remender. As, as amazing as okay. he is, uh, this is his art by John Romita Jr. with an army of inkers, Klaus Johnson, Scott Hanham, Tom Palmer, colors by Dean White, letters by Joe Carmagna. Another thing I realized is that depending on who's inking uh, John Romita Jr., his uh, his art vibes with me or it doesn't. So there are some inkers, like Klaus Johnson, I know I'm going to love the issue. And I think Klaus Johnson's inks just make a lot of people better artists. Yeah. uh, Or the art look better. Frank Miller. (laughs) Frank Miller. (laughs) Careful. We are on a public forum, Michael. (laughs) Come Um, at me in the chat. I I see nothing. I see nothing. Danny, my parents are tuning in for this one. What's an inker? What, how does inking make a difference to art? <laughs> Hold on. We listen, let's we should ask our comic book extraordinaire who's on the show that question a little bit later in the show. How about that? How about okay. that? All right. We'll save that one. We'll put that one in our back. Kevo, I hope you don't mind explaining your entire process in maybe under 20 minutes. Is that okay? Uh sure. No problem. I, that's how I do it anyway. Oh, okay, Great. perfect. <laughs> Super fast. <laughs> but Danny, uh, did you like this? You enjoyed it? I did. I had a really good time because I I I read 10 issues of Captain America in a row. Like, this is okay. 2012 stuff. Uh, like I said, it was really fun. 
it's it's nonsense, complete nonsense. Dimension Z is the worst. And then also like not all of the anchors uh that were playing along were my jam. So like some of the issues I was not super on board with uh with the art. But I think because John Romita is drawing a lot of like big buff bodies and like monsters and dimension Z nonsense, that stuff fits. Mm-hmm. I just I don't really like the way he draws small children. Uh, oh yeah, the, the I mean, you can't do a big weird. buff bodies and tiny children yeah, yeah, yeah. accurately. Yeah, <laughs> no. what about but tiny you know buff what? children? <laughs> I don't know. We didn't. He the story never called for uh, one of those, so maybe. But I think you know. I think if you're gonna, if you have to draw one of the two, and you can draw the big, big strong dudes, I think that works. Like one of those medieval paintings where you're of like the Madonna, the child, where you're just like, has did this artist ever interact with a baby? Survey says no. <laughs> yeah this yeah, is like yeah. Ni- nightmare fuel for me like i already know how bad john romita jr draws some things and i can't imagine big buff children in any of his comics because it would, i feel like it would just haunt me for years so please frank miller don't ever ask him to do that i know that's something you want him to do don't ask him to do that please you get a little you get a little steve rogers in this one and a little oh, ian a little ian rogers um but it's cool i really also like that they explore Steve as a, as an artist in this one. Like he actually, because he's stuck in this dimension for like, like a decade, uh, he he has to do something to pass the time. And one of the things that he's trying to teach uh, his, his new son that he adopted Mm -hmm. was like that there's other cool things in the world and not just violence. Like they've been experiencing in this world. So he draws like this really cool mural. That was a really neat moment. And I was like, man, remember you really have some like interesting ideas that, uh, sometimes are kind of left unexplored in lieu of all the extreme action bullshit that that I also yeah. love. Are you so. telling me that we could have been having like the Captain America Spider Man illustration Power Hour at Marvel? Like just a book of them <laughs> drawing and like tagging their way through Brooklyn and Queens. Let's go. I think if if Steve hadn't become Captain America, he would have become Bob Ross. Oh, okay, oh. okay. Oh, that's beautiful, Danny. I love I, that. New head cannon. That's nice. So, but yeah, that's it. That's a, that's a lot of, that's your Captain America report for the week. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. Well, uh, Kevin, let's jump over to you. I realized that I totally skipped you at the beginning of this. I'm totally, I'm way out of my mind today. So apologies for that. But um, how are you? How have comic books been? Welcome back to the show. For maybe folks at home who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And because if I'm not mistaken, you're somewhere in the Michigan area, could you give us a bit of a maybe not so West Michigan weather update? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so first of all, thank you for letting me come back. Um, it's been a couple of years. I thought you lost my phone number, um, but it's it's nice to be invited back again. Of course. Um, West Michigan Weather Watch. Uh, it is warming up, unfortunately. The weather has been great for the last week. It's been nice and cool, but the temperatures are going up, and I guess that's what you get in the summer. So um, the plus side, though, is that it's June and it's Pride Month, and uh, it's been a lot of fun so far this month. Mm-hmm. Last year, I published my first book, and so this year, I got to go to Pride Festivals uh, as a vendor for the first time, and it's nice. been a nice. kick. Yes, it's been so much fun. Um, I went to Pride Festival the first month, the, I'm sorry, the first weekend this month, and I've got another one coming up this Saturday, um, but it's so much fun to 
uh, see people. Um, I wasn't sure if graphic novels would fit at Pride, and I'm not sure why I was hesitant, because I feel like there is a large overlap between queer people and comic book lovers. And I found a lot mm. of people at Pride who uh, really were excited to talk about comics with me. So uh, y'all need to set up a booth next year. Yes, Aww. yes. I We're, we're, we're going to try. Who knows? Um, but now that cons are becoming more of a thing, we definitely should. My brain just made the connection that I'm sure thousands of people have made before where you're saying, oh, queer people like comics. Who knew? And I'm like, well, um, actually, let me shove my glasses up my nose. The superhero comic archetype in the United States is all about finding your true self and true identity in a world where you have to wear a mask. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, there's overlap, I would say. <laughs> I think you hit yeah. it right on the nose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yes. So because of all things Pride, and because I'm currently working on a book right now, I feel like I'm a little bit behind in reading. And as I mentioned before the show, I usually get my recommendations from IRCB. Um, so oh. the book that I read actually most recently is Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands by Kate Deaton. This book has been discussed before. Uh, so it's the story of a woman who has to pay off student loans. So she goes to work in the oil sands of rural Canada. And this is just the story of what she experienced. Um, this book was recommended to me by a friend who doesn't read comics or graphic novels. Hi, Katie. Hey. Um, and it was not at all what I expected. In the story, Kate tells stories uh, in a way that seem real and present and very matter of fact. And I just, uh, I love the approach. There's very little judgment written into the story. Um, that's really reserved for the reader. Um, so for those who have read this, you'll know what I'm talking about. I, I found myself rolling my eyes a lot and gritting my teeth a lot. Uh, at the things that she had to endure, the comments she had to endure, and things like this. It was a really hefty book. I thought I would finish it in in, in less time than I did. Um, but mm. it, there's just so much to look at. She does really beautiful drawings, um, especially of the the scenes of the, the towns in rural Canada that were just amazing. Um, so yeah, I love this book. Uh, just a content warning, there is sexual violence and depression in it. Um, mm. But I, I do recommend it. Yeah, that book is deceptively like dense. I, yes. I feel like it is a big book, but like if you know any of Kate's work, you you know that like she does a lot with the page. And this book in particular, it was like so much unfolding and every single chapter of the book, it, I had to read it in like two or three sittings over a couple of days just like to digest it all. Like it's it's yes. and it's definitely like one of the best books I've read this year, but it's also like a very heavy book. Yes, um, absolutely. Given given the subject matter, so yeah. I, but I'm glad you enjoyed it though. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, me too. Well, um, I guess let's, uh, Kara, what about you? How have you been? How have comic books been? Hi, Mike. Thanks for asking. I, <laughs> right before this, saw the new Spider-Man movie. I don't even remember the title. What's that one? Is it Across the Spider-Verse? <laughs> across across the Spider-Verse. Thank you, Danny. I, I was like, the new Spider-Man. Everyone knows what the new Spider-Man is. Two years from now, when somebody's listening to this, they'll know exactly what Spider-Man I'm talking about. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, I rewatched into the spider-verse last night in anticipation of seeing this movie i was still unprepared it's so good it's so good <laughs> I, went, I went to see it with a friend and it ended and we just kind of just sat there we were in the second row of the movie theater by the way in like seats that reclined a little bit so i was like in the movie y'all i yeah, was yeah, in yeah, yeah. the wow. spider-verse and it just um, 
so many so many spiders and i i love it i love these films because they really do feel like the full potential of a comic book film is being realized because they go so all out with the varying animation styles to match the different like universes that they're in and i definitely mm-hmm. have some friends who are like casual marvel watchers but have started to be turned off by all the like multiverse stuff in the Marvel cinematic universe. And I want to be like, cool, cool, same, but counterpoint Spider-Verse. <laughs> you should just watch the Spider-Verse <laughs> movies because they like, do it no, no, right. No, no, wait, wait, hold on. <laughs> like, I know you're sick of the multiverse. I know. It's, hold on, hold on. You got to hear me out with Spider-Verse. You got to hear me out counterpoint, with Counterpoint, there's a T-Rex Spider-Man. Who wouldn't <laughs> want to see that? That's comic books at its finest. <laughs> Someone went frame by frame in the trailer and found a popsicle Spider-Man that's chasing Miles at one point. So, like, anything's possible, okay? Anything's possible, anything's possible in this movie. It's great. <laughs> it's wonderful. So that's my big, yeah. like, you know, it's good, y'all. Please go see the Spider-Man movie. Um, and yes. I just, like, I I was really proud of myself for knowing who Ben Riley was. Because I don't really read Spider-Man comics but I knew who he was because I'm on the internet. The internet yeah. is merciless and never forgets. So. We are also very proud of you for that. Just <laughs> so you know. I also knew that Spider-Man 2099 was real, but like an actual mm-hmm. like character from the comics because oh. that one I knew from, uh, I, it's been a hot minute since I've talked about this on the show, but in college I briefly had an under the table job at the local comic book shop sorting through their like slush bins in the basement. Like <laughs> I, I my Paul job, is over here salivating. He wished that he had that my job. My job was to go through all these long boxes of just miscellaneous comic books and sort them into an order that made sense. So I spent like a whole semester just like popping into the shop basement and creating a system of organization for all these comic books. And that was honestly one of the best comic book educations I've ever received. And part of that was just getting really, really familiar with like 90s Spider-Man titles because y'all, there are so many yeah, in the yeah, slush bins at comic book shops around the US, I'm sure. So. We we could and should have a full episode on how to organize comics because oh. everyone has their own way. And, and but it's becoming from somebody that worked at a comic shop. Probably that should be a more efficient way. I don't know, uh, but I think that'd be really interesting to talk about. This sounds yeah. like a nine-person roundtable, yeah, like Hector like Studio style thing. Like <laughs> the whole cast shows up and just like yeah. I, I can already hear the range of like Tia just being like throw it in the trash. It doesn't matter to uh, <laughs> Nick's like if it came out, that's the order that it came out to. Paul's like I don't care, bag and board it, stack a million of my time. I love it already. I love right. it already. So Let me call. Let me call the Hollywood Reporter so they can get us one of those big tables. Yeah, big. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I did read an actual comic book, and in a wonderful uh, bit of you know when you are just lazy and you procrastinate, but you procrastinate long enough where your laziness becomes a profound pre-planning for a different thing. That's me on the show yeah. today because. Because okay. <laughs> uh, a few times back that I was on the show, I was telling you all about my latest Karl Barks duck comic acquisition from Fantagraphics, mm-hmm. the golden mm-hmm. nugget boat. And everyone said, what on earth is a nugget boat? 
And I am delighted to wrap up that storyline here because I didn't read it until this week. And I can now tell you what a nugget boat is. Nice. All right. So again, uh, Carl, Bar- Carl Barks, one of the most uh, famous and well-regarded comic illustrators of the 20th century, is the reason that you have DuckTales because he fleshed out the whole like Duckburg world in Disney comics with Scrooge McDuck and Launchpad McQuack and all those other characters. And in this volume from Fanagraphics that I was reading, Scrooge Mc- it's the Scrooge McDuck, uh, the Golden Nugget Boat. And you're obviously wondering what a Golden Nugget Boat is. Uh, Please, there's a me. lot of backstory with Scrooge McDuck where he has created his wealth by prospecting in the Yukon at the turn of the last century. And they did some great jokes about his long lifespan in the most recent DuckTales reboot because they kept that canon and you're like wait a minute <laughs> that was that was over a hundred years ago yeah He's yeah still the same age okay <laughs> so- it, it, it's all explained by his magnetic mutation so don't worry about it <laughs> oh okay okay so Perfect. um he goes back to the Yukon he drags Donald and Huey Dewey and Louie the little the little duckling nephews to the Yukon so that he can prove that he's not an old fogey that he can still prospect with the best of them. He ends up in a golden nugget seeking contest. Um, He pays his way there by like breaking chunks off of this like little golden boat that's made out of a golden nugget. And I'm just like, man, that's a different time when you could just like travel around saying here, take the mast off my golden boat as payment for this meal in this (laughs) diner. What a life. What a wholesome way of living. <laughs> sure, take, sure. Take my doubloons. <laughs> Don't worry about it. So, so they they get up to the Yukon. He enters a contest to prove that he's like still got it. He's going to find the biggest golden nugget. And, mm-hmm. you know, plot happens. He gets foiled. He actually gets foiled by uh, cousin Gladstone Gander, who you'll recognize from DuckTales as just being one lucky duck. Just sails through life. Swans through life to make a pun to just anything that Gladstone needs. He comes across. So he is also in this contest and Scrooge is getting foiled until miraculously he finds the biggest nugget of them all. But how will he get it back to camp in time? Time to turn the nugget into a boat, (laughs) a golden nugget boat. (laughs) Okay. 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 Kara. Okay. (laughs) And he makes it look like a like a Nile cruiser with like a masthead and everything and I'm like we just established that this contest was ending like within a day are you telling me that you and Donald and three children made a boat out of this golden nugget and then sailed it down the river do we have a physicist on the line does a boat float if it's made of gold, even if like the center of it is airtight. How heavy is gold? I'm I'm well, curious now. I think it's too dense to float in water, if I'm not mistaken. That's why it sinks mm. when they sift it. Anyways. So I'm no yeah. but if expert. it's a boat, would it float? <laughs> so, so I'm delighted to return the conclusion of what is a Colton Nugget boat for Mike. Now we can get resolution on that one. <laughs> I uh, I desperately needed it. <laughs> I I feel better about all the Dimension Z nonsense I just talked about after listening to the Golden Dog Nugget stuff. I have to say, there's some really good creative storytelling in this volume, though. My favorite story is like this one where um, Scrooge McDuck's like scientists have created a shrink ray, and 
they uh the beagle boys the antagonists who are always trying to steal scrooge's gold take the shrink ray and try to shrink down his money bin so they can just like pop it in their pocket and steal it but while fighting scrooge to get at the money bin they all get hit by the shrink ray and then they get carried off by a troop of ants honey i shrunk the ducks got it the ducks and just the scenes with the ants are really well illustrated. Like they're, they're brought into this chamber where like the queen ant and all of her like ant courtiers are sitting around a table, like holding their leaves. And they all like look as one towards the entrance when the new prey are brought in because they're about to get eaten or whatever. And the boys have to use the shrink ray to like go in and throw chunks of sugar at the ants to distract them and get everyone out again. It's it's a wild and I was just like this is why I love adventure comics because weird shit like this happens and it's delightful <laughs> like let's do something creative and fun See, now I'm so mad that I didn't get my hands on any of those ducks comics uh, from when the fanographics did their big sale because I tried to buy a couple and they were all sold out yeah, so they're all sold out you, all the time you you probably got my copy that's all I'm saying I, I made the purchase and they had to go <laughs> oh sorry Mike we ran out so oh, they do reprint them all the time though they just do it in yeah. cycles you'll have your yeah. moment You'll have your I'll, own I'll get there. Nugget. Maybe I'll go take this from the library or something. We'll see. But <laughs> I, I, I also I also didn't expect after a whole week of t- listening to people talk about the Denver Nuggets that we would <laughs> talk more about, yeah that we would talk more about Nuggets on this show. More Nuggets. Yeah. I had I had chicken Nuggets for dinner to create to really just further the theme. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, well let's hold on. We're we're done talking about nuggets. Instead, we're going to talk about a different type of food. Um I read a, a cute little comic called uh Vesper and Onion. Um I guess before I get into that, I should say I've been gone for 2 weeks. I've been doing all sorts of stuff. Guys, I saw Quantum Mania and then had to immediately follow it up with Into the Spider-Verse or Across the Spider-Verse. Oh. So, um my life is is was a series of lows and then a very high high. Um <laughs> I don't watch Quantumania. That's all I'm going to say. Just oh. don't watch it. Um, it's it's not good. There's uh, also oh. ants in that one, though. There is ants in that one. <laughs> Damn it! It all comes around. Yeah. I, uh, but yeah, I I is weird. Uh, Zelda has been out, so I've just like every free moment that I have, I'm playing Zelda. Um, but I did force myself to only play Zelda in the mornings during my fun employment that I'm in right now. Um, and then I read comics in the afternoon. So it's a good you know, avoidance of things um, for anyone who's worried. Don't worry. I have another job coming. It's just starting later. But uh, yeah, so I but I did sit down and I read a Kickstarter book that I got called uh, Vesper and Onion. This is by Vera Green Tea with art by Sarah Webb. Um, it is capital C, capital U, capital T, capital E cute. 16 pages of just absolutely adorable witchy comic books. Um, It's a story about uh, a witch for hire who people send her letters and they say, hey, I need this little spell made or I need this little potion made. Can you get me the materials or can you go get the materials and then make it and I'll pay you for that? Pretty cute little concept. Um, I want to shout out Paul G on the IRCB Discord who recommended this, um, posted it in there, and uh, I was like, heck yeah, let's check it out. Totally worth every penny. I'm just so frustrated at how short it is because it's got a very cute little simple story. And then at the end, I was like, okay, now I need the 300-page graphic novel about this witch and her cat, uh, Onion. So Vesper is the witch, Onion is the cat, and the cat has magical powers. You guys, it's everything that makes these types of books really, really fun. Um, It's got its little darker elements. It's got its light elements. Everything's really soft and nice. And um, it's like Witch Hat Atelier in a lot of ways. Like 
there is this darkness that exists partially, but also the world is very fluffy and light and cute. And uh, I can't recommend this enough if you get a chance to buy it. It's $16 or excuse me, not, it was 16 pages, couple is I think it was like 10 bucks for it. But like, you know, it's very handcrafted, very, D- very DIY. Um, it is really, really good, super wholesome. And I can't wait for more. Like I hit hard subscribe on the newsletter for this company because I just need the next installment. So very, very excited about whatever comes next with that book. Um, yeah. So um, let's talk more about how much I hated Quantum Mania, though, because I just have to get this out. No. Uh, I, uh, I mean, I, I haven't seen it yet. That was the first Marvel film where I was just like, I don't I don't need to see it. And then I'm hearing, oh, but you have to see it to know what is happening with the Marvel verse. Sure, sure. And I was like, but do I like can't I just skip right to the Marvels, which is the one you I'm can, actually interested in? Here's the thing you can. It's like I feel like they're going to do the same thing that they did with Doctor Strange, where like. They're like, you have to have watched WandaVision to understand this movie. You and genuinely have 15. Have no, to have you do, except for they do a 15 minute like, oh, by the way, here's what happened on WandaVision in the middle of the movie in case you didn't watch it. I feel like the Quantum Mania stuff is like, I don't know, not selling, especially with all the business with what's his name who played Kang, like yeah. who knows what they're going to do. So the next movie that's going to involve that character that the the stepping stone was supposed to be Quantumania, they're just going to the wipe it. I was joking about shitting on this movie, but I definitely still want to keep doing it if you guys want to do this. I mean, <laughs> I just feel bad for Paul Rudd because wasn't he supposed to be like the next Iron Man and they keep being like, oh, well, you know, we don't have Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans anymore, but we have Paul Rudd and all his movies mm-hmm. are are like i mean he, he, they exist he can always yeah. go to baskin robbins and work there again um, <laughs> yeah. I, I also really find it funny that people are like there i know there's people that love the movies and they're like no you gotta watch this one you gotta watch this one or you won't get it uh i've been reading comics for over a decade <laughs> trust me i don't have to watch anything yeah. i could just <laughs> I have jumped in the middle of weirder shit all right. over this track. So Dimension Z. Exactly. You just dove right into that and it worked. Uh Anyways, anyways, we don't have to we don't have to do that all all night. I, Kevo, I am curious uh, if you read another book that you want to talk about, so we don't have to talk about Ant Man for the rest of the night. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, so uh, in honor of Pride Month, uh, I also want to reference a book that I read. Uh, it's actually been a few weeks since I've read it, but uh, it's a book that has just stuck with me. Um, Gender Queer. I'm going to botch the name by Maya Kobabe Kobab. I'm not sure. I think um, it's Kobe. Kobe. Yeah. Kobe. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Um, so that's another book that uh, I heard about originally on this podcast. Uh, so I had to read it and um, I read it, like I said, and I couldn't get it out of my head. It's um, personal and accessible and tells a story that we don't hear often enough. Um, it's the story of the author's experience of figuring out how, figuring out how E and your body fit in the world, even as E figures out how E fits in your own body um, and the author uses E, M, E, or pronouns. Um, at this point in time, with the way that uh, things are in this country and whatnot, I feel like more than ever, we need to hear more stories of the trans and non-binary experience. And so that's what this is. I've been recommending this book to all of my friends who Absolutely. I think are open to learning and uh, different ex- perspectives. Yeah, this this is one of like the more most powerful books I read in a long time when I first got my hands on it. And the fact that it is I think we, we had a we had a 
Amy, Amy, Amy Wright, Amy Wright on the show very recently, um, who was part of the uh, American Library Association around graphic novels and comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was talking about how this is like one of the most challenged and banned books in America right now, because it explores this thing that apparently American culture is so very scared of um, for no reason other than it's it's seemingly unknown or it's something that people are scared of for for whatever reason. Um, But it is it is a very enlightening book. It's a book that like for me was like eye-opening to understand someone's experience beyond my own like isn't yeah. that what we read like fiction for especially non-fiction yeah um so yeah i i totally love this i'm very like glad to hear that you loved it as well oh yeah absolutely i mean so i consider myself a pretty uh progressive person and um i'm i'm pretty knowledgeable about sexuality and gender and things like this and i still found this book to be so interesting and i learned so much um, although I really think there's always just a benefit of seeing the world through somebody else's eyes and seeing somebody else's experience. And, um, yeah, this book, it, it's one that really stuck with me. I, I'm somebody who can quite often read a book and forget what it was about two weeks later. And this is one that, uh, yeah, is still sticking with me. So I love it. Anybody that's listening or watching, if you want to go back, that's episode 373 with Amy. I love those type of episodes because, we have Mike, we have Tia, and we have Paul, and plus the guests. Like that's like the high end of like people that can talk about really smart stuff. Uh, well, Mike's I was gonna say that's like some <laughs> top tier <Yeah. laughs> academic literary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I listen but, to that to get smarter, etc. Yeah, that's, uh, that's and then Mike's that's there. The, yeah, I yeah, yeah. That's the <laughs> Mike has to be there. But Mike's no, our but, every man. Right, right, right. <laughs> but that was a roster because I was I was proof listening to that episode and I was just like learning as I was proof listening. Yeah. So mm-hmm. go check it mm-hmm. out. Amy's great. Uh, I, I mean, this book, other books that are being challenged as well. Like it's it's a really wonderful conversation. So mm-hmm. okay, well, I'm glad you yes. enjoyed this book and I'm glad you brought it up because uh, as we were talking backstage before we got on here, I think there's a few books that come up on the show a lot. And it is because not only are they important to read, but I think it's just they've been impactful to all the people in in IRCB. So we all kind of want to talk about them at different points when we kind of get to them. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's solid. Um, Well, uh, I guess let me let me talk about one more book Uh, or Danny. Why don't you talk about one more book? And I got one more book, too. Sure. Uh, So I want to talk about Night Fever from Image Comics based on the BG song. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It is not based on the BG's hit song. Uh, this is another Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, Jacob Phillips joint. Uh, and that that could be everything I say about this, and you would know that it's a good book. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is really weird to talk about their books because, and even to review them, just because, like, what can I tell you that you haven't already learned over the past, I don't know, however long they've been teaming up to do books together? Uh, let so- me give you a quick synopsis. Yeah, go ahead, Kara. Well, I guess my question is because, like, I have read a bunch of Brubaker Phillips stuff. When you say Brubaker Phillips, I think noir murder mystery. But boom, you got it. <laughs> right. Oh, okay. 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 But I also think I never understand what those books are about. Like, I know it's a noir murder mystery, but every time I read them, I'm just like, this is a book for Paul. This is over my head. <laughs> like, you know? So, you know, so where are we on this one, Danny? No, it, yeah. it's funny you say that because I, I, as I was reading the book, I read the afterward uh, at the at the back of the book, and Brubaker was talking about how they wanted to take a break, but for them taking a break doesn't mean stop making comics. It just means to do a different book, right? So they yeah. stopped doing the Nerd. Reckless series, which is their 
their private detective type of story, and they, they're doing this. Uh, let me tell you about the synopsis so you can see how this book is very different to like, it is all those things you mentioned, but I think it's also more, which is why I really enjoyed about it. Okay. Uh, in Europe, on a business trip, Jonathan Webb can't sleep. Instead, he finds himself wandering the night in a strange foreign city and with his new friend, the mysterious and violent Rainier, as his guide. Rainier shows Jonathan the hidden world of the night, a world without rules or limits. But when the fun turns dangerous, Jonathan may find himself trapped in the dark. And the question is, what will he do to get home? So it's uh, Fight Club. It's Fight Club. It's, okay. uh, what's the okay. other movie with the people with the masks? Um Eyes well, wide shut. Eyes no, wide no. shut. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot. So it's it, it's I got know. a lot of those little flavors. Uh, the the best way I can recommend this is because I started reading this book. I couldn't put it down. I read it in yeah. like 40, 45 minutes. Oh my God. I couldn't stop turning the pages. It's really well paced too. You get these little chapter breaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to commend Jacob Phillips on this one. His use of colors to to give you the tone and the ambient of this like European underground it is mm-hmm. amazing. It, like, it's it's not unlike stuff I haven't seen before, but it but it's just something that really stood out this time in in one of their books. Like, if you're doing a book with with your dad, you know Sean Phillips and Brubaker, like you're in really good company. But the fact that I feel like he kind of outshone them for a little bit, like in this one, mm-hmm. uh, just really goes to recognize how much how great of a creator he is, and I can see why he has now his own. Like, you know, he's branching up and doing his own thing outside of just coloring books with his dad, which also really cool that you kind of get to work with your dad, like making comics yeah. and doing something you're both passionate about. That's got to be really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, but but yeah, Mike, uh, what did you think of this book? I know you've also read this. Yeah, I, I sat down. I same exact thing. Like I was like, oh, I'll maybe like read half of this and then I'll go eat lunch and I'll come back. And I read it full forward. Right. It was it's it's very it's different than uh than reckless in a lot of ways uh and it's different from i think like criminal it's different from a lot of the other works that they've done together like killer be killed in that it feels like a non-stop story right like i feel like killer be killed reckless all that stuff they have chunks um and they kind of have this like beat after beat after beat pacing whereas this one was very much just like non-stop ever flowing from beginning to end and it's kind of like wound up in this nice little bow that kind of almost made me feel uncomfortable at the end um in that for everything that happens in the story it should not end so nice and tidy yeah um which like it almost kind of it, it makes you feel gross at the end of it um so i really liked it i really really enjoyed it and it was it was an interesting departure from what they've been doing um because it felt because like when they did a book like fatal i liked it but it wasn't in my mind like their best work um it's a great story but like overall it kind of just kind of it kind of falls off at the end this one had that same vibe less supernatural more like just like 70s like suspense thriller yeah because um, it is a yeah. 70s movie um and i i really like the way that brubaker was able to like capture that feeling throughout the whole thing there's a lot of like uh is this really happening or like very a lot of unreliable narrator kind of stuff like mike said at the end like you could be like did any of what i just read actually happen like it it is yeah having the reader question themselves while they're reading something like that i think that's a very neat trick that that you have to really stick the landing or it's gonna feel cheesy or it's not gonna work uh but this Mm -hmm. one worked i was gonna say i'm 
I'm getting, it was all a dream. And you're like, God damn it. But you're saying that wasn't the reaction. <sighs> That's the thing. It, you got to read it to really make that decision for yourself. Because okay. it feels like it could be that. But it also feels like it couldn't based off of some other things that happen. So, okay. Okay. yeah. Think, think yeah. of the end of Inception as like whatever you want out of that. That's kind of what this book is. Not yeah, it could be unrelated to Inception in all other ways, except that that whole, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, how you feel at the end of it, that movie. It has an ambiguous ending. How yeah, about yeah, that? Yeah. We'll sure. say that. OK. Um, uh, yeah. No, Danny, I'm glad that you brought that up. I, I picked that up on Wednesday uh, from the shop and immediately came home and read it. <laughs> I was like, this is happening right now. And I know I'm be- I'm a reckless book behind. I didn't even read that latest one um, yet. So, yeah. Um, well, let me talk about one book really quick and then we'll get into a top four pile. And we'll talk a little bit more to Kevo about um, their Kickstarter for Z-Class Tricks. Um, I read Girl Juice by Benji Nate. Uh, this is a drawn and quarterly book that I picked up when I was in Canada because I went to Canada. I went to the drawn and quarterly library something something in French that I can't remember the name of, but it Look was super cute. And it was basically. A- <laughs> Look at you. So well, fancy. Yeah. It was it was fun. Um, I you know was going to Montreal anyways. Kelly and I we went on a little vacation up to Quebec City into Montreal. It was a lot of fun, and so we went into basically what felt like um, Williamsburg, but in 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 uh, Montreal, um, and that's where this library was. There's they had two bookstores that are like a couple blocks from each other, which I thought was funny. But one is like a bookstore for children's books, and the other is like they're drawn in quarterly, like full bookshop that has their stuff plus a bunch mm-hmm. of other um, publishers stuff, which was pretty cool. But I picked up this book, um, Girl Juice. It maybe is the funniest book that I've read all year. And I read uh, Danger and Other Unknown Risks, which is probably one of the funniest books I've read in a very long time. This is the Ryan North and um, uh, Erica Henderson book. Amazing. I also read a new installment of Megan Mogg. So like this book being almost the top contender, maybe the top contender for the year. Pretty impressive if if you're on you know my side of things. Sure. Um, but ultimately, this book is... Uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you a little piece of the synopsis. Welcome to Girl Juice House, home of the hottest gang in town. Benji Nate's stylish and rambunctious sense of humor lovingly takes digs at the young and tragically hip, reserved and introspective Nana, comically hypersexual bunny, fledging YouTuber Tula, and designated mon trademark Sadie as they navigate life, love, and the pursuit of a good time. Um, It's a very funny book, like I said. Uh, It mostly focuses on the character Bunny, who is like in the antics of being a girl boss with a you who knows what she wants. She lives a very messy life full of strange escapades and sexcapades. Um, She's being she's very cool. She's too cool for her friends, but she also desperately wants them to love her because she really, really loves them. Um, And all the lives of these four women in this house uh, are pretty wild as they try to be independent people who are forced together by the crushing world of I simply can't afford to live by myself um i mean this book doesn't really have that greater message or anything but that's kind of like the implied idea um and the last chunk of this book is is probably the funniest piece as they discover that their house is haunted um and so the youtuber uh tula she is being haunted like on screen and it's it's very funny as as antics ensue um this is kind of like a strip comic uh style story where like some of the stories are two pages or one page or a couple of pages and then the last chunk of the story is like a good 30 or 40 pages that kind of like rounds out the volume um really really funny though if you're looking for like a a book that's kind of going to make you laugh about like the modern day like 20 something um this is the best book you could pick up this year and i loved every single page of it um once I started to realize that it was making fun of itself after a couple of pages, I was like, oh, this is the funniest thing I've ever read. So um, highly recommend Girl Juice if you get a chance. It's very funny. 
So that uh, delightful. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, it's it. Yeah, the art style is very simple. I think everybody will really like it. Benji Nate really gets like comedic timing, and it's it's such a simple, fun book. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comic books that we're looking forward to reading. What's on the top of your pile, whether it's new or old or something else? Let's jump right into things with Danny. Well, Mike, uh, I was between two things, but then I read the notes and I was like, well, Mike's mm-hmm. got me covered. Uh, so on the top of my pile and quick, quick shout out to Nightwing 105. That's the book that's going to be all done from Dick Grayson's point of view. Uh, make sure to go check that out. It's a really interesting experiment in comics. Uh, but uh, I'll be reading The Hulk, number one. We're getting a new Hulk series after nice. the last Hulk series that just ended. So this one's going to be written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, who's also writing action comics. So I'm super, super invested in seeing what else they could do with another really strong buff character. Um, <laughs> our, wait, our, wait, 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 wait. What? They, so, so Philip Kennedy, Philip Kennedy Johnson, just the the past year, he took uh, Superman to Warworld and pretty much made him Conan the Barbarian. Okay. And it is some of the best Superman that's not Superman that you've ever read. Okay. Uh, okay. So I think I think he's got a like I I feel like he's got a type. Are and, we going and, back to Planet Hulk with this? Like what? Are yeah. you? <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, are we going you, back to Planet Hulk? No, 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 no we're not. Because I, I did so. read that comic book, and I don't uh-huh. know why. Okay. Uh, a side note: I love Planet Hulk. Uh, I will hear nothing else about about that book. <laughs> so, uh, but this one has art by Nick Klein, who just finished the run on Thor, and colors by Matthew Wilson. Uh, this one has the Age of Monsters has begun as an enraged Hulk tries to take control of Bruce Banner's body permanently. A mysterious immortal turns every monster in the Marvel Universe against Banner in an attempt to free their creator, the primordial mother of horrors. I think nice. we're, going, we're going horror kaiju with this thing. Okay. And does, I'm here for it. How does a kaiju sneak up on somebody? Okay. I, no one answered this Wait. question when I talked about Godzilla the movie, the one that had Aaron Taylor Johnson in it. At some point, all of these guys drop out of the sky. And it's the coolest scene ever. And they're like on the ground like, where's Godzilla? And Godzilla sneaks up on them. I don't understand it. <laughs> There's no such thing as a horror kaiju movie because that would imply that kaiju can sneak up on you. And that's just not possible, Danny. Because they're, they're too just big. just not possible. Is it because they're too, too big? Too they're too loud. Come on. They can be very, just their very breathing. Sneaky. Just their breathing can shake mountains. I have to wonder <sighs> if this book, this Hulk book, is going to because like the whole mother of monsters thing, that's from Greek mythology. Like, are we going to go back to the Greek mythology origin story with this, or are we just lifting the template? That's what I want to know. I'm curious. It is, it is incredible Hercules coming back. That's all I want to know. Just I wondering. I like all you. I like. I love all the pitches. Keep them coming. Let's write our own Hulk. Marvel, if you're listening, we between everyone here, we can all write a Hulk book. And right, it'll right, be right, fun. right. We can't draw. I it. have, I have well, read three Hulk stories. I can now yeah. write the Hulk. I read Hulk yeah. Gray. That's all I need. Yes, I've read Doctor Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. I can write the Hulk. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay uh, i did yeah. actually read that though i did actually read dr jekyll and mr hyde and that book is not the way 
the media would have it portrayed. It's it not is the like, way the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen movie portrays. You're no. telling me that the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is not a one-to-one mapping of that book? <laughs> no, because you're not actually like seeing you're you're reading the story from like a narrator who's like a neighbor guy and is just like, huh, that doctor, he sure is weird. And then like after the fact you find out what happens. And I was like, Robert Louis Stevenson, I expect better from you, sir. <laughs> You know, you could tell why they made the changes that they did in later iterations. He wanted he wanted to do Secret Window, but instead he did Jekyll and Hyde. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Danny, you're excited for this Hulk book. I you I saw Philip Kennedy Johnson's name was attached, and I pre-ordered the first issue on uh, Stupid Comics Allergy. Um, so I, is that, is that a deep breath? Deep breath. Yeah. Yeah. You think this has legs? That's what I'm wondering. Oh, it's got big green legs, Mike. Big uh, green legs. Daddy. I regret asking, I regret asking the question. <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. That was great. That was delightful. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, well, Danny, you've, you've convinced me regardless. Um, if you think he did a good job on Action Comics, I'll have to compare notes with Paul, but I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> anyways, Kevo, what about you? What's on the top of your pile? So I think I'm taking quite a tonal shift um, I, I've got a stack of books, uh, that are waiting for me. And atop of my pile is a book called Left Turns by, um, Joshua Ross. Uh, I got this book on Kickstarter. Um, gosh, I guess it's been a, it was earlier this year. Uh, so it's a 2023 book. Um, it's a comic book artist who is newly single and evaluating what he's willing to sacrifice to pursue his dreams. Um, I feel like it hits a little bit home, a, a little bit close to home, except that I'm not newly single. I'm just still single um (laughs) and if you can't tell i just i like i really like personal stories so Mm -hmm. um yeah so that's what i'm looking forward to i don't think that there will be any hulk smash in this but i can certainly let you know you never know you never know you do never Um, know that's true (laughs) it's true no because the hulk can sneak yeah the hulk can sneak up on anyone too oh my all right better than any kaiju (laughs) you you you're not gonna like me when i'm angry all right um (laughs) Uh, sorry. Well, Kevin, that sounds great. I was looking at the the art on on Kickstarter. It looks really cool. I actually the, I do like in this Kickstarter uh, the way that they're showing like previews is they're like flipping pages and stuff. That's a cool GIF. I hope somebody has a template for that because that would be really cool for other folks who maybe have a Kickstarter going like yourself. But um, absolutely, yeah. Um, well, I'm in touch. Well, I I follow him on Instagram, so I can certainly dig in and see what he can help me with. <laughs> Yeah, that would be cool. Well, I mean, you have to let us know what you think of this book. Next time we have you on, hopefully it'll be within a sooner date than, than what we had before. But um, Absolutely. I guess, Kara, what about you? What's on the top of your pile? I guess, Kara, what about you? Thanks, I guess, Mike. Kara. I guess. Well, I'm so glad you asked, Mike, because um, I have a book that's top of my pile, and I also have a a call, a request. I'm, I'm sending up the, the bat signal or the spider signal to to get some get some ideas uh let me start with my top of my pile um i believe this has been discussed on the show before but uh kate scotchless is reading supergirl woman of tomorrow and posting art in our ircb group chat um Mm -hmm. and i had not heard of this book i think danny you were talking about this book at one point and it's it's just i have been (laughs) like 
totally ignoring superhero comics for a while. Like, aside from reading whatever X trash Mike tells me to read, I'm not really reading superhero comics right now just because sometimes you need a break. Sometimes you need to read like a million comic books about ducks that are really people (laughs) that are ducks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I want to read this book because, first of all, my name is Kara, so I feel somewhat obligated to read some supergirl <laughs> books sometimes because we share a name gotta support the other Karas. <laughs> why did i never put that together Danny. I... oh Hello? my god this oh my god is... danny we're gonna have to have a talk about your performance here on ircb after the show today oh my gosh it, i'm so... telling you it's all, it's all this garbage comics they just ride my brain oh my god it was such a delight as a teenager to realize that there was a superhero that shared a name with me who was also blonde and blue-eyed and mm, uh, what mm. a shocker a superhero comic character who's white and blonde and blue-eyed but here we are so <laughs> you don't see many of those no don't see many of those no 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 you don't so... see many of those all right, so it's been a hot minute since I've read a co- read a comic that is of the superhero genre, but the art does look fantastic. The colors look really rich and saturated and almost like I almost just said what Fiona Apple is doing on Saga, what Fiona Staples is doing on I mean, Saga. You know, total richness, total richness for both artists. Um but I really feel obligated to read it because I started shit-talking Comet the Talking Horse in the group chat. And for those listeners who are not familiar, Comet is Supergirl's horse because like all good comic books or characters created uh, for a female audience by men who think they know what women want, sometimes they're right and the answer is horses. That is what we want. <laughs> the true horse girl will always choose the horse. So. Okay. <laughs> So once upon a time, Supergirl had a horse that was like her super friend, her super buddy. But but the horse could like think you could see the little like thinking speech bubble. And turns out that Comet, the super horse, was really a centaur who wanted to become a man. But in ancient Greece, the sorceress Circe gave him the wrong potion. So he was turned into a full horse. But he's immortal and sentient and also kind of in love with Supergirl. Who is a teenager, okay. <laughs> although, as as Paul pointed out, technically she's older than Superman because she was cryogenically frozen on the way to from Krypton to Earth. So, <sighs> um, okay. ew, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, goddammit, comic books. But anyway, so Comet is in this book. No word on if Comet is also a sentient centaur turned horse who's also immortal. But uh, I guess I'll have to find out for myself. And then my bat signal slash spider signal to the world is since I just saw this Spider-Verse film and realized that I also tend to not read Spider-Man comics. My question is, what Spider-Man comics should I read? I'm taking requests. I will try new things. I promise. Maybe not the Ben Riley stuff, but I'll read other spiders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything, anything but Ben Riley. I got you. I got you. Um, well, please send us an email, ircbpodcast at gmail.com if you've got any Captain America recommendations. I mean, right right away, Winter Soldier comes to mind. I don't know why I didn't think of that earlier, but you got to read that one, Kara. Okay. Um, and uh, as far as Spider-Man stuff is concerned, send us an email, probably some Miles Morales stuff if you have any good recommendations. I'm thinking that the Saladin Ahmed run is pretty good, but... Maybe we'll see what the listeners have to say. Sure. Email us at ircbpodcast at gmail.com. You know? Yes. Yes, please. 
I guess let me let me talk about a book that's on the top of my pile, uh, and then we might have to take a quick break. We have some slight technical difficulties, um, but we'll get through this bit, and then we'll be we'll we'll see what happens. But um, shout outs to Matt who's hanging out with us on uh, the. Uh, or Discord. Uh, on Discord, I guess not on Discord, on Twitch and stuff today. Uh, he had a pick that is Wild's End number one, um, which is the the new Dan Abnett book, which is continuing the Wild's End series, which I thought was just done forever. So that's super exciting. So Matt, let us know what you think of that. But uh, for me this week, I pulled from Danny's pick because I figured there's nothing else that's coming out outside of like time before time um, that I really want to read. And that is Ultimate Invasion number one. Uh, this is Jonathan Hickman. Uh, on writing pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Andrew Curry, colors by Alex Sinclair, letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, I mean, I'm a sucker for all this stupid shit. Like, quite honestly, Ultimate Universe was like the thing that I was like, I'm going to read every single Ultimates book. And then I did until Ultimatum. And I said, I'm never reading Ultimates ever again. <laughs> and that's how it went. Um so, you know, I I really did love all the stuff that Mark Millar did, Hickman did, Warren Ellis, you know, despite all of these people's potential problems, even even the uh, the Robert Kirkman stuff, even the wacky, wild X-Men stuff that he did. I really loved all of it. I read as much of it as I possibly could. And uh, to see that Hickman and Brian Hitch are coming back to do some ultimate stuff or whatever this Ultimates invasion is, he's going to bring back super evil Reed Richards, which I always find to be a fun concept. Everybody's got a helmet in the Hickman universe. And guess what? If you look at this cover, Brian Hitch drew a helmet on at least Reed Richards and probably a bunch of other people. Um, so I'm obsessed with this in terms of trying it out. It's nine dollars for the first issue. So I might as well just stab myself in the eye to read this comic book. Uh, but regardless, like this is going to get me because I was 19 when I read this and i'm feeling super nostalgic um and hickman you know he's a pretty good writer i've liked what he's done in the past so we're gonna see if he can you know knock another one out of the park so i'm excited uh danny what about you i know you this was on your list too uh yeah uh so i will say i unlike mike by the time i started reading comics and got to that and i had some extra time to actually get to the ultimate stuff hickman was about to destroy it and i'm like well oh. i mean maybe like i don't need to anymore right because really all the sure, super sure, wars. Sure. Uh, so I'm excited for this because I know I know the few characters that remain from the Ultimate Universe that are now folded into regular continuity. Uh, they're very cool. I know there's a lot of really cool creators. I know they went they took it to an extreme at some point. I've heard horror stories of some of those Ultimate books, but I've also yeah. heard like people like Mike that they really just enjoyed a lot of that era. Uh, so I'm very excited for that. I think Brian Hitch on superheroes is where he truly shines, like in a big book, bombastic book like this. Totally. Uh, and Jonathan Hickman, I love when he comes in for a concept and just kind of sets it up and leaves it there for everyone else to kind of play with. See uh, Hawksbox and all the stuff that's happening in Krakoa <laughs> yeah. uh, as an example. So, yeah, yeah, why not? I'll also spend $9 on it. But, well, unbelievable how, how price pages? for a comic book. How many pages? 53 pages. 53? No, it's 53 pages. Huh. Marvel has a shotgun to all of our backs, and wow. they're saying, this is it. This is what's happening. Oh um, it's God. not fun. Let me go check out the variants, because I, I may know. end up spending <laughs> Danny, more no. than Danny, no, $8. No, no, no. Danny, Wait, no, I have please. A, I have a comment about Jonathan Hickman, because I actually could not tell you what his style is as a writer, but his name is everywhere. So to me, he's like the workhorse of superhero comic books like if hickman's on a book it will be fine but i won't remember it necessarily 
I mean, I think he he if you ever if you want a peak definition of what Hickman's style is, I would read his Secret Warriors run that he ever did. His whole thing is Gears within Gears within yeah. Gears, which is literally the title of the last arc. Uh, it's, <laughs> I think it's called Gears within Gears because his whole thing is like there is a small story that's happening that is inside of a bigger story that's happening that is inside of a bigger arc that's yeah. happening. And now every writer should be doing this but hickman likes to set up like these multi-chain things where like by the time you get to the end of the story you see that the reason why you got there is because multiple things happened in succession in a way that uh is really unique and the way that i'm describing this it sounds like storytelling in general so maybe he's not unique at all uh, <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know I, I, because superhero comics tend to just kind of either peter off or go and fade into the abyss and i don't know like sometimes they don't have things resolved so if you're saying that hickman resolves things in smaller arcs that sounds satisfying that that tracks I, with my impression I, I of him so. as like a like a workhorse writer and i don't mean workhorse to be like derogatory i mean like you're a perfectly functional writer who like as you said like this is writing 101 congratulations you closed your story yeah, <laughs> you yeah, came yeah. to a conclusion that's great. And for superhero comics, that's incredible. I like to think of Hickman as a, like an engineer. He loves building these complex machines and just kind of leaving them out there to run. The problem yeah. is that sometimes he's not there for the maintenance. Uh, <laughs> and then that's when the, the, the wheels You're... can kind of come off. Because yeah. because not everybody like not everybody that follows his stuff can take his ideas. Now, Mark Wade, I would call him a workhorse where he just kind of comes in and does yeah. all these titles and just like, yeah, whatever. I can write 10 DC books. It doesn't matter. I know yeah. all this stuff is in my head. Uh, so that's really interesting about these, how different their styles are. But I mean, they're both two of the people that just, they these companies love to bring them back and have mm -hmm. them just play around in their sandbox. I really yeah. love, Danny, that you just described the deist philosophy of God made the world and then just left it alone to describe Jonathan oh Hickman in the Marvel I mean, Universe. Just, I mean, he, not he, did, he, he did write a book called God is Dead. So like somebody right, anyone, he's proving the point. If yeah. anyone thinks that Hick, if anyone thinks highly of Hickman, it's definitely Jonathan Hickman. So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh Cool. Well, Danny, we'll we'll have to we'll have to you know converse about this after this book comes out. We'll see what happens because I'm I'm pretty sure I'm actually going to put this on the top of my pile and read it as soon as it comes out because I'm really curious to know if this is even going to vibe with me at all. Right? Like it's been so long since I really read any Ultimate books. Um, the 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 like the pitch for this made it seem like hey we're bringing the Ultimates back the way that they were, which like shouldn't make me excited because that's the reason why comics are the way that they are in the mm -hmm. big two is because they keep saying guess what guys we're bringing it back to the way that it was and that's actually not good but um, like now you're the target demographic you're uh, now you're the target demographic you are the correct age for being marketed to i went into a taco shop this weekend <laughs> and this taco shop was like my personal paradise because yeah. it was all this like 90s nerd toys everywhere and they were playing rocket power on the tv and i was like okay uh -oh. <laughs> okay this is for me i have expendable oh. income and i like you would understand that i'm at the height of my purchasing powers yeah. yeah this is why this exists i understand that's you and i was thinking like you know yeah it's at the top of your pile it's at the top of your pile because it's nine dollars <laughs> you want to see if oh, your yeah. investment is worth it 
That's that is exactly true. Uh, it, it, on the bright side, it is a four issue miniseries, and the subsequent issues are only six dollars each at probably thirty two pages because oh. Marvel can get away with anything that they want, um, and we let them. We let them every month. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, if anything, I'll probably just wait for this to hit Marvel Unlimited and just read it. Maybe that's what they're hoping people do. Um, so yeah, but uh, I guess uh, we're gonna do a little little timeout here. I guess in the show, Kevo, <laughs> are you, we're back? You're back. I know you dropped off there for a second. Is everything I think all right? So. I, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. Um, well, I guess then let's just jump right into things. Um, so right now you have a Kickstarter running for a continuation of the series that we talked about way back in 2021, Z Class: The Beginnings. You have this new book called yes. Z Class Tricks. Um, could you tell the folks at home a little bit about where you're at with this book? Yeah, well, let me try. Um, I feel like I talk about this book all the time, and I still don't have a succinct story. Um, so sure. Z-Class is a YA superhero graphic novel uh, series. Um, it's a So I grew up loving the X-Men, and that's what sort of informed the idea of having these kids who are born with these super abilities. Um, and Trix is just the continuation of the first story. The first book, uh, The Beginning, which came out last year, uh, Z-Class The Beginning was sort of the introduction to all of the characters and sort of showed how the team came together. And then Trix picks up where that left off. Uh, we're introducing some new characters. We have, uh, there were some cliffhangers that the first book ended off on. Um, mm -hmm. And we've got some longer, what I'm super excited about, what, what what's keeping me going with this is there are some longer stories that I'm really excited to tell. And we're starting to dig into that. Uh, the first book, I spent a lot of energy in just trying to introduce characters, and I, it was hard to tell much story at the same time. And now with this book, we're able to start actually digging into the story. Uh, and that's what's exciting to me about it. Yeah, and it's it's a cool looking book. I will say, you know, read the first volume. Uh, there's a... <laughs> The wonderful shout out to the podcast in there that I, I I really appreciate you doing. There's a chapter where one of the characters is wearing an IRCB shirt, which is really, really cool for me to share around with the group that I, I was sending around um, earlier this week. Absolutely. Um, and yes. uh, but yeah, no, the, the comic's really fun, though. You know, it's it's about like a bunch of, you know, a ragtag group of kids who come together to try to be superheroes. And there's maybe a couple of twists and turns in there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as we see this story go on, I mean, like, I feel like in the first volume, you know, everyone was able to kind of establish their powers and stuff. And they kind of came together for as a team. And then the book ended. Um, I, what kind of hijinks could we expect these kids to get up to in this next volume? So, uh, yeah. So in the next volume, uh so it actually picks up only a couple of weeks after the first one. At this rate, I don't know how long it's going to take me to tell this story. If it takes like every <laughs> book only goes forward about two weeks. Sure. Um, but we're, yeah. So this book we're picking up shortly after the first one ended. Um, kids are starting to go missing around town, uh, even as other kids are starting to show up with new abilities. And uh, so our team is trying to figure out if those things are related. Uh, we have new characters that are going to be uh, joining the scene and, We'll just have to stick around to figure out whether or not they're working with our team or against our mm. team and even within our team. Um, so one of the things that I really loved about X-Men that I still love about X-Men is not the the superhero part, but the the personal part, the the relationships, the drama, things like that. And that's something that um, I'm really excited to dig into with these books. Um, one of the things that uh, was really important to me about putting Z-Class together was the idea of representation. Um, I think that is kind of reflected in some of the books that I uh, have been reading, uh, that I chose to read uh, and talk about today. 
um, it's really important to me to that readers are able to see perspectives that are not necessarily their own. And that's something that I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying to do in these books, especially for a YA audience. Um, and that's something that it's the personal stuff, the, the relationship stuff, the, the characters themselves that we're really going to start digging into more, uh, in in the new book and the books that are to come so yes there is a mystery that's happening in town and kids are going missing and kids are showing up with abilities and and all of this stuff but within the team the kids themselves are experiencing some changes of their own and i'm really excited to tell these stories yeah it sounds like a lot of fun i mean i'm excited to read the next volume of this if only because like i was a big fan of the first one and i'm i'm it's really fun to read a book that is exciting for me as an adult to read that I definitely could hand to like a nine-year-old kid and they probably could have a good time reading it as well. Um, And I mean, what, what I really appreciated about the first volume is like, you're not scared to broach some, what I think are slightly tougher subjects. um, Well, without, which is interesting because I feel like some some writers may shy away from that because the, the little kids or younger readers aren't necessarily ready. But I feel like the way you approach it, a lot of the topics in the first volume, it didn't feel blunted, but it also didn't feel like it was going to like hurt anyone's mind, you know, yeah. at the same time. So I, I appreciate you saying that. It's funny that you say that because when I was promoting the first book, um, I was really trying to push it as uh, a uh, diverse potentially queer cast of characters. Uh, And then the feedback that I got from one of my friends after reading it, he was like, this book just wasn't as gay as I was expecting it to be. And I think uh, a friend of mine pointed out, I think you see in it what you're looking for in it. And so what I told him is that it's actually a very queer book, but you don't necessarily know it after the, when the first one is done, you have to read a little bit more and find out where these characters are and who they are and things like this to really realize where they were when the whole thing started. And I feel like I'm speaking really cryptically right now. But I think part of the intention behind that, too, is um, I want, uh, so as a queer person myself, um, being queer is not the biggest thing about me or the only thing about me. There's so much more to me. And that's what I want for these characters, too. I want readers to love these characters for the, the, the multifacetedness of them. And then if they find out that they happen to also be queer, at this point, hopefully people are already loving these characters and that's not really going to be an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for other kids who might be queer, and I'm using queer as an example, um, there's diversity in age and body size, body types, um, races, things like this. But, um, but for kids who are queer, um, I think that they might be reading this book and already recognizing things uh, in these characters that maybe reflect some of their own experiences. And um, and I like the the challenge of that, the complexity of that, um, the subterfuge of that. Uh, that's what I'm trying to do with these books. So we were talking earlier about uh, how genderqueer is uh, one of those books that's so banned everywhere. I want Z-Class to be one of those books that is banned everywhere. <laughs> so that's something that I'm rooting for. I, I don't know what it'll take, but uh, that's that's my aim. <laughs> Uh, that's a that's a lofty goal but i i applaud it that's (laughs) (laughs) please ban my book you know (laughs) well i feel like all the best books are getting banned so i would be in great company it's so funny to think like oh man somebody out there is curating a really solid list of books that you should read (laughs) yes yes absolutely absolutely so um kevin i do want to mention uh 
I really like your character designs, like the the outfits. Just like you mentioned, there's a big, wide cast of different, uh, you know, body types, and and just like all the characters yeah. look very unique. And Thank I think you. that's something that for young readers, one of the you know all these little identifiers are very mm-hmm. important for them to latch on to a different character, right? There's a mm-hmm. reason why everyone has a different turtle that they love is because they kind of identify with their favorite color or whatever the case may be, yeah. you know, <laughs> yes. and, and this is very similar in, in your own, your own style. Um, I love, like, I love the outfit with the collar. That's just like immediately something that jumped out at me uh, as yes. I'm kind of going through the Kickstarter page. So I yes. hope Thank that you. anybody that picks this book up and, and reads it uh, can find their own little favorite character uh, because yeah. I think that that's part of the fun in comic books. Absolutely. Um, and it's funny, too, because uh, kids. So one of the things that this uh, having this book has has afforded me is the opportunity to go in and speak to groups of kids. And one of the questions that kids will come to me. At, so first, it was super exciting to find out that kids in these classes that I'm talking to have read my book, which is Aww. just such a high. Um, so cool. Here. To hear their ideas about the characters and wanting to know what's going to happen in the next book is so and so going to have powers or you know things like this, uh, which I don't give any spoilers of these things. But one of the questions that <laughs> kids will very often throw at me is, "Who's your favorite character out of this?" And sort of to your point, um, it changes. Uh, when I first started writing the first book, um, it was all about Justin. And then as I was meeting the characters, Eleanor is actually based on a friend of mine. And so Eleanor sort of became a favorite of mine. But then I wrote that first chapter about Anjali and it really became her story for me. And so it's just been a really evolving process. My favorite character depends on the day of the week. Um, the character you're referencing is Heather. And that is a character that I actually created when I was in high school. Um, and she has sort of been pulled forward and uh, de-aged for the purposes of this book. Um, and yeah, I, you're exactly right. My hope is that, um, people will just find, find a character that resonates with them. And I'm really excited actually to introduce the new characters that are coming to, um, because I think it just will continue to expand, uh, the, the diversity of the representation within the book. Um, but just, yeah, the complexity of the stories, all of that stuff. Totally. Kevo, I want to build on what you were just talking about and kind of hark back to something Mike mentioned earlier. Can you like now knowing that one of your characters was uh, created when you were in high school and modified for this story, can you tell us a little bit about your creative process and what is inking? (laughs) (laughs) So I have a whole slideshow that I take for take to uh, schools and talk to students about with the entire process broken down. Amazing. Succinctly, uh, for the the purposes of the books. um, So one of the challenges that I've discovered is uh, doing all of the wearing all the hats yourself. It is a lot of work to make a graphic novel. Um, I have never considered myself a writer, and yet people have to remind me that technically I've published a book that I've written, so I am a writer. Um, That's the first step. Um, Writing is potentially the most challenging part of the process for me and uh, some of the most fun of the part of the process for me. Uh, When I was picking up uh, writing tricks after two years, it had been two years since I'd written the first book, and then I started writing tricks, um, it was like revisiting old friends. And it was so much fun. Like, where's our story going to go now? And 
it was exciting to see where the story's going to go. And, and I don't always know where the story's going to go. The characters, I have some long-term stories that are already in my mind, and the characters themselves sort of propel the story in their own direction as well. Um, following that, I do all of this work digitally, but the language for it uh, harkens back to the old days uh, when everything was done with traditional media. Uh, so uh, following uh, doing the writing, I do the, the pencils, which is just doing the sketches. Uh, on top of that, I do the inks, and that's uh, doing the, the formal lines that will actually be used for the, the book itself. Um, following that, I do the coloring. Uh, and then the lettering, um, and I feel like that's, that's the, the very short version of all of the steps that it goes, that go into, uh, putting the book together. One of the questions that is commonly asked of me is how long does it take to do the book? And I don't remember exactly how the math worked out, but I figured it out that it takes about four hours per page Ooh. for me hmm. to illustrate the book. So the first book took me, uh, or the first book was 260, no, I'm sorry, 256 pages, I think. So I'll let you figure out how long it took me to do that. And I had wow. to redraw the first two chapters. So oh. um, I know, <laughs> I know, don't get me started. Um, I'm not re redrawing anything in this book. It's, it's going to be what it's going to be. But um, uh, yeah, so, and then as far as, uh, yeah, Heather was a character that I came up with back when I was drawing superheroes in high school. Um, a very complicated, complex story that she had. Um, she was the third generation of superheroes with this particular um, ability. And I brought her up, brought her up to Z class, um, kept some of that. So in, in the first book, you find out that her mother also has abilities, um, but then changed a whole lot of it too. Uh, and... Um, and she's a character that I'm really excited to share the story of, uh, yeah, in the coming books. I don't know if that answered your question or uh, very succinctly, but no, it was it was great insight. I have a nerd nerd follow up. How did how did you choose your color palette? <laughs> Try to get oh more. Oh my gosh! <laughs> if I all so, right, let's do this. I <laughs> have said this. Into it. I have said this to so many people. If I had the budget, the first thing I would do is hire is hire a colorist. I feel like I used to teach color mm. theory and I feel like coloring these books is the most challenging part for me, mostly because it just takes so stinking long. Um, mm. As far as the color palette, um, Heather's abilities are related to um, cold and ice. So it seemed obvious to me to go with blue. I really like the idea of having each character with a distinct color that went with them. Um, uh, Anjali has Indian heritage, and when I was looking at traditional uh, uh, costumes, outfits that were that would have been worn uh, in India, I was finding a lot of reds for characters like her. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. Eleanor somehow became green. I don't know. So eventually, they each got assigned their colors, and yeah. uh, they're sort of they've sort of been pulled forward, but. Um, truly, if I found somebody who I, who I could just hire to do all the coloring for me, I would do it in a heartbeat. I see the work that other people do in these books that the color work that is just so amazing to me. And I'm like, oh, if only maybe one day. <laughs> but now, Kevo, I also want to ask. So it looks like in, in the first book, I believe you did the cover. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Now, how is it to see somebody else? Because I see that the cover is by Jan uh, Bautista. 
yes. in in this uh, second iteration. How does it feel to see the characters that you created interpreted by a different artist? What what is that like? Oh my like? gosh, that that is my favorite. So when I did the first book, I had the fortune of finding beta readers. And so what I would do with the beta readers is give them one chapter of the book, give them two weeks to read it, um, a little worksheet to fill out with just sort of um, prompts for things, areas of improvement, things that were really strong and whatnot. And then we did a Zoom call together, all of us, for about a half an hour, just to sort of process through if there were things that I had questions about or whatnot. And having a Zoom chat where People who I am not related to, who I do, some of them I'd never even met before, were talking about my characters and what they were finding relationship-wise in my characters and whatnot. That was just a high that I could not, oh, I wish I could bottle it. It was amazing. And now having other people draw my stuff. So on the current Kickstarter, um, I have game uh, stretch goals. That Game stretches, oh, I don't know. Stretch the goals, stretch goals. The language gotcha, is very gotcha, clumsy gotcha. for me right now. But, um, <laughs> but one of the goals is to get uh, fan art from people. Uh, mm. And so at this point in time, I'm not really sure we're going to get enough fan art pieces to make that, that goal happen. But I have started getting some fan art. And it's so much fun to see people's interpretation of my characters um i love it like because this is what i was doing like when i was a kid i was drawing other people's characters yeah. and uh and i knew how exciting that was for me uh how much fun that was for me and so to see other people doing this um when i do the pride booths um one of the things that i have just as a free giveaway is coloring pages um when i had when i released the first book i had a book release party here in uh in west michigan um, Kate Lamphere was actually at that party. Um, and, and one of the things that I had at the party were these coloring pages, the characters, and, um, it was just so much fun people coloring my characters and changing my characters with crayons and, and all the things that come along with that, um, was such a kick. And so, um, it was a no brainer for me to have somebody else draw the cover for this book. And as a matter of fact, it's sort of something that I'm thinking about, like, who can I get next time? Like, I want to have maybe a different artist do every cover for a while. And I just think that's going to be so much fun. Um, I, I had very few requirements to the process. Like this, ha like this hair color has to be this and, and whatnot. But otherwise, it was just so much fun to see how she interpreted it. And um, yeah. I, yeah, I, I want to do it again. So if you're offering, if you want to do, if you want to draw the characters, bring it. Like, I welcome Danny. that. <laughs> I, I might send some fan art, but I don't know about the whole cover. Right. Well, I make no guarantees about where it might end up. So please go ahead and send it. <laughs> um, I want to go back to, uh, you know, you were saying that the X-Men were, were an influence, uh, which kind yes. of, stole the lead of one of my questions for you which is uh you know there's a grand history of teens banding together and being in a little group from superheroes to scooby-doo so what were your influences but the next step of that is i guess then knowing that it's the x-men uh if you could mix and match the characters of Z of z-class with the x-men where what uh what characters would we mix and match with who's going over to <laughs> xavier's academy who's right right over? Goodness. Okay. Um, who, wow. That's a question I haven't been asked Are you de-aging? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, well, so I think the no-brainer for me would be mix and matching with New Mutants because we've got kids, like we've got characters that are already kid age. 
Um, I, I'm not going to go into, de- into too many spoiler details, but I will say that there is a trajectory for Anjali that would make sense to move in an X-Men direction that okay. I can already see in her future. I don't know how they would do with Xavier uh, <laughs> because I, I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure that they, yeah, Knowing I don't, I don't know kids, that they would work yeah. well with him, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't think anybody's ready to deal with Xavier for being really well, honest, but you know. <laughs> fair point, fair point, yes. Um, but that is something that actually I, th- um, I see, uh, I'm, I'm on Reddit and I am part, uh, part of these comment creating groups and whatnot. And I see people posting regularly, um, about this desire to work with other comic creators to create sort of a universe. Um, and in theory, I think it's amazing. I love the idea. And I also think like how much fun would it be for my characters to do a crossover with Marvel mutants, uh, Things like that. I think my kids would have so much fun on Krakoa. Uh, I, oh yeah. I think it. Yeah, I think it would be such a kick. Um, there is in the Chris Claremont tradition. There is a extensive backstory that has not been fully revealed in the books yet. Um, but I think that it would. Yeah, I think it would line up really nicely with some of the the challenging history of X Men as well. Um, We've got our own little Dark Phoenix saga going on over in Ooh. Hamilton Falls. Uh, but I won't say more than that. <laughs> well, everybody's got to get back this Kickstarter so you can, you too can see what this potential huge blow up may be. Is what it it's, sounds like to me. It's true. It's it's so funny too because um, as we as we're having this conversation, the Kickstarter is actually at ninety eight percent. So like we're gonna get there. It's no so problem. Close. I know, so close. And I had a dream last night that I would be on this podcast and live, um, I would get to 100%. So we would oh. be able to make an announcement live. It didn't happen, but that's totally fine. It's Sunday. It's Sunday. We, we don't got expect five it. people, five people on the Twitch stream. They all could hit that top tier. Uh. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I, so, I, have, I have been refreshing the page cover just to check. <laughs> my phone is sitting right beside me and the prompts are right here so as soon as that happens i will be interrupting this podcast to make a very important announcement it's a four hour long episode to see this through to the end um oh my gosh we're gonna have a we'll have a telethon who's our next step that can come on and perform for for a half an hour hold on let me call nick really quick we get paul we'll get a this we'll do a nine person round table right now oh Um, i was thinking tony orlando and dawn but that works too oh that works too yeah yeah yeah. um Um, well, I guess let's let's get into some final questions so we could actually wrap this episode up. Though, um, I, I'm, Kara, I'm going to steal right from your uh, from your list here. I am curious. I born and raised in Michigan. Now I live out in Big Old New Jersey. What's the comic scene like in Michigan right now? I guess you're, you've obviously been slowly working into the circuit. How have things been? Um, are there any other folks you're working around with or anything like that? Oh my gosh! So I wish that I had a better answer for you. So, um, really long story made short. Um, I lost my social media last fall. Um, it was oh, no. super frustrating because it happened to, uh, it happened to, uh, sorry, sorry, I just got notification that we got some support on the Kickstarter. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I, may, yeah. I may or may not, I, I may or may not have back the, the goal that I wanted. So Danny. Uh, Danny. I mean, thank you. That's amazing. Um, so, so back to your question. Um, so I lost my, uh, my social media, uh, two weeks before the first book dropped. 
And in that process, I also lost all of the contacts that I had made previously. So I'm in the process of rebuilding that right now. Um, And it's really exciting, actually, and fun to find local artists who are creating. Um, Unfortunately, I don't know enough yet. Um, One of the things that we had talked about before the show started is that um, I have wanted to do comic conventions. And I sort of set the personal rule for myself that I wasn't going to do a convention until I had at least two books uh, in, in hand. And so Mm -hmm. after this year, I will have two books in hand. So I will feel more prepared to do a comic book convention. Um, And so much like Pride Festivals, I imagine I'll probably start with the littler conventions and sort Mm -hmm. of get my feet wet and see what I'm I'm up for. But um, I'm really looking forward to uh, rubbing elbows with a lot of the creatives um, around here. I have a friend who actually is not currently creating but wants to be in Detroit. And so I'm just constantly prodding him like, as soon as you're ready to start creating, I'm ready to do a booth with you and let's yeah. let's make this happen. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, that will, I'm not going to answer your question very well so that that will hopefully cause you to want to bring me back at another time and we can talk about the local creators in Michigan. I'd love to do that. We can, we can get some, we get some Michigan residents on here too, so that, you know, you guys can, you know, talk shop, I guess, or something. That like would be that, amazing. But... Yes, absolutely. <laughs> bring it. Uh, Cool. Well, I guess Danny, Kara, any any last questions here before we wrap up the show? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, yes. As you know, we love our snacks here. What are your must-have <laughs> snacks when you're creating or otherwise? Oh my gosh. So, so before we had this this uh, podcast, um, I ate some cherries. But when I give you that is the answer, it sounds like I eat much healthier than I really do. That's just because that's what I happen to have in the the refrigerator at the moment. Um, I also so, had cherries today because they were in my refrigerator and I was like, I should, I should eat some of these. Right. Right. Exactly. Instead I of, mean, instead of the Skittles, right. <laughs> it seems like the responsible decision. So, um, I don't necessarily, Oh, I do have a go-to. I was going to say that I didn't. So Skittles are not my jam. Um, the fruity candies are not my thing. I like the chocolate candies and I didn't have an answer until you reminded me. So at uh, Costco, they sell these um, caramels, uh, these chocolate-covered, sea-salted caramels that are so delicious. Um, I was introduced to those by my best friend about two years ago. First time I had them, I asked how many would be inappropriate to eat the first time, (laughs) like in one sitting. Uh Um, We decided that three is probably the healthy threshold for that. Um, And so I pretty much always have those in my cupboard. Um, and then currently, like most people, when their bananas go bad, they make banana bread. I make banana brownies. And so I've got brownies, actually banana brownies in my fridge right now that um, are pretty delicious. Nice. So, yeah. oh, so nice. You're, you're describing the uh, sea salt uh, chocolate covered caramels. I was like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, yeah. but the Trader Joe's dark chocolate peanut butter cups. Those things are dangerous. <laughs> so Let me tell you. I get those in my stocking every year from the same best friend that I mentioned yes. earlier. So yes, yes. I, and I do have two of those in mm-hmm. my uh, in my pantry as well. So yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm almost thinking I should not invite you over at any point because I I don't yeah I feel like to protect my sweets we might just have to meet <laughs> a neutral ground. <laughs> Bring your yeah. bring your own snacks, please. We, we know yeah. you have true. The good it's true. Now you got the good stash. It's yeah. true, exactly. You can keep your Skittles, and I'll have my chocolates over here. And I... <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, Danny, last question. Otherwise, we can we could wrap up here. I think. 
No, I'm just very excited now to get to, you know, to check this out. Uh, yeah. And yeah, this was this was great. Thank you. I'm excited, too. Like, um, yeah, people talk about how hyped they are for the new book. I'm like, I don't even know what the new book is yet. So I'm super excited, too. <laughs> I mean, it's written, but now we got to get it all drawn. So, yeah. And, and as I was mentioning before this started, to, um, I'm really bad at stopping myself. So um, I went into this this Kickstarter campaign saying that it was going to be, I think I said it was going to be a six-chapter book. And now I'm kind of like, oh, it might be a seven-chapter book as I'm like thinking about what else I want to put into this book. So... Yeah. We'll see. It's going to be somewhere in that range. Um, and we'll all be surprised. Nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for the next volume, you know, and I'm excited to be surprised as well. Uh, well, Kevin, Ke- this is a blast. Um, where can folks find you on the Internet if they want to get in touch? You said you got some new social media handles to give out. <laughs> yeah, um, I, where can I mean, I lost pretty much everything. So uh, if you're looking for me on uh, Twitter or Instagram, I'm at Z Class Comics, all one word. Um, and then, yeah, my website, kevo.com. Come on out there. Um, I've got a Patreon as well, Z Class Comics, that is just getting off the ground, but um, I've got big hopes for that. So, yeah, awesome. come check it out. Yeah, we'll make sure to put all that stuff in the show notes as well as the Kickstarter link, as well as the link to the last episode that you were on because we had a really fun conversation way back then, too. Um, awesome. uh, good luck with the rest of the Kickstarter. Obviously, you're, you're super duper close. I can't wait to see this thing get over the final mark. It's so I might exciting. I'm 1% away now. I'm so close. <laughs> <laughs> there's links on everything make sure you go back this if you guys are hearing this right now but uh this is a pleasure Kara, danny thank you guys so much and kevo thank you again for reaching out and making this whole thing happen with us i'm so excited to help make sure that this next project happens um plus i'm really excited to read it myself so um next yeah, week on the show thank you yeah yeah of course and next week on the show i didn't write down any notes so it's just gonna be a mystery good luck have fun um i didn't write it down i'm really sorry uh actually i could pull up a schedule right here uh next week on the show we have a good friend zach back from the comics that we love podcast me and kara and him are going to talk about our comic book guilty pleasures for the next another time um we are uh just going to be doing that for the episode which will be really really fun um as always you can follow us on instagram twitter tiktok discord goodreads we've got our youtube all that other stuff you can support us at patreon.com slash ircb podcast infinity shred is the best band in the universe they do all of our music xander is rocking with you you rocking with him and i want to say thank you to kara and danny i don't know what i was thinking of when i wrote that down thank you to everyone on twitch and discord who are hanging out with us thank you to kevo again and until next time oh, i need to make i need to interrupt we just hit 100 percent. we just yes! did it oh my god oh, we did it yes Thank that's you, amazing oh that's great you got your dream your dream came true you manifested it's true what it's true wonderful way to end this show oh my gosh that's that is so exciting oh my gosh <laughs> comics are good though listen this is the proof comics are good and so are you